Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. And welcome to Fof Up. I'm Charlie Clawson, and my guest this week, he's a comedian. He's the host of the Junk Time AFL podcast, and he has a new show coming out at this year's Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It is the complete, incomplete history of Australian rules. Michael Chamberlain. Chambo, welcome back to the show. Charles, how are you, man? It's, I think that actually this is the only real way we kind of manage to catch up or see each other face-to-face these days, like by the fact that I'm... I'd, I actually don't really know where I live. You're in Byron. You're jumping around. Like yeah. uh, it's kind of a, a catch up. Podcasting. So tell me, what's been going on in your life? How's how's Jim? How's Iana? Uh, well, uh, they're they're both good. Jim's away at the moment. She's uh, in South America directing a, uh, oh, a commercial. Wow. Um, so I've been solo in Chile. Chile. Oh wow. Yeah. Cool. Not Chile. Wow, she's Chile. Been all over the shop, hasn't she? Like going to different places. Well, we went to different stuff. places together. We went overseas together in the last year, so we did a big pilgrimage back to scotland uh, we took iona back to meet her her, her mother's new husband and her and her dad so her, her we call them her two granddads and uh and then i went on to do getaway for like two weeks so we're away for like the whole end of last year but now the situation's reversed where jem's gone on and, and i'm at home it's one of those things too when like we sort of had this agreement that we'll try and not be apart for more than two weeks at a time um, and then this job came up and it's quite a big job and she's going to be away for a month and I'm at the two week mark now and I can see why we said we should do not one of the two weeks. <laughs> it's just to the point now where, I mean, it's like having a roommate, right? Yeah, Like sure, your sure. roommate, you can be best mates, but two yeah. weeks of just being in each other's fucking faces. Yeah, like, for sure, for sure. And I find myself, like I own is three, but I'm having these kind of like, I'm trying to reason with her like she's an adult. Like, so yesterday we had this big, yesterday was a home day for her. So, we, you know, did swimming lessons in the morning and we shared like circus school, you know, midday. And then we went to the library and then we went to the beach and we're in town in Byron. You've just named like about four things that I have no desire to do whatsoever. <laughs> oh, well, welcome <laughs> to being a parent. School, library, <laughs> swimming, oh, God, the beach, oh, God, oh, sunburn, oh, I've got to cover up, oh, what I'm wearing, oh, God, oh, I'm fat, oh, God. <laughs> so we ended up um, in town like as the sun was going down and, and rather than go home and make dinner, I was like, well, you know what, let's just go. She likes sushi, we'll go get sushi. And so we're having a good time and, you know, she's sort of taking these little nibbles of sushi and I'm like, hey, just, you know, can you just finish that? Just like eat the whole thing, eat the whole thing. I don't want you being hungry later on. She's like, no, no, I'm full, I'm full. Focused on dessert, obviously. So I'm like, obviously, okay. yeah. So, well, we, she eats a like tiny amount of sushi and then uh, we go get like a frozen yogurt. Then we get home, she has a bath and it's bedtime, you know, 7.30. Come on, let's go to bed. And she's like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> I said, come on, man. Come on. For ice cream. <laughs> And I said, we had, we talked about this at the sushi restaurant and she was like, I wasn't hungry then, I'm hungry now. I'm like, oh, come on, come on, man, come on, this is me. Like, what are you trying to pull here, kid? Like, are you out of your mind? And she's like, I want pasta. And I'm like, I'm not making you pasta. I'm not making you pasta. I'm just not going to do it. And she's like, but I'm hungry. And I'm like, well, they should have thought it. And then I'm like, oh, God, I'm doing it. I'm becoming the parent. Yeah, yeah, you are. So luckily, um, my sister's arriving, uh, Miranda's arriving today to give me a chop out because I'm doing some work. I'm shooting some stuff in the next couple of days. So uh, mm-hmm. that will help. But I find remarkable the fact that I, um, you know, meals out weren't a really common thing when we would have been Iona's age, let alone, could you imagine me three years old getting sushi? Well, I right. I just assumed that was my family because I had there were so many kids. We never went to a restaurant. I don't. I can't even remember dining at a restaurant until I was like a teenager. Well, with your, your family, like if the Clausens booked in a dinner, like the restaurant would just be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like we filled the place out, like <laughs> yeah, like table for fucking twenty five. And uh, we're done for the day. Like we let's go buy a helicopter. But like, did you say but, you you didn't eat at restaurants that often? Uh, not a great deal. Like I think. Uh, there'd be like a pub meal, but that would be like, 
Uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, the not really like takeaway, but I, I mean, it wasn't the Uber kind of era back then. Like you'd go to the shop, but yeah, no. I, to but even just the idea of like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would have even known what sushi was. Till it is a waste taking a kid to a restaurant. They don't eat anything. You're still paying like you know they'll be a kids menu, but you're still paying pretty much full freight. All they want is like you know a juice or a soft drink or dessert. Or it's like little chicken fingers and chips or something, yeah. Yeah, and so it's a. I, I could totally understand even with just like three kids, you'd be like, oh, no, fuck, what's the point? Like, they can, yeah, for they sure, stay for home. sure. Like I've been doing um, bunch of work, kind of working late and kind of uh, getting Uber Eats at the office kind of, you know, 8, 9, 10 p.m. or whatever, a bit more than I want. And even that, I look at it and I go like, you, you, you don't get out of Uber Eats for less than 30 bucks. Like, I'm like, I'm not spending 30 bucks on dinner every night. Like, you That's know, insane. give me a potato, put that in the microwave, give me some rice. It's me, not whatever. just that though. Like even I was, my brother Matthew came to stay about a month ago and I was showing him around and I showed him my owner's room and, you know, she's got a great bedroom. Like She's got like a little oh, yeah. teepee and, you know, yeah, she's got yeah. this like thing full of toys and we were both kind of like comparing notes going like we never really had a bedroom that looked like this. A, you're always sharing in my house, but B, I didn't have like – Three separate tubs just stacked with toys. No, no, no. That's the thing. I mean, my nephew and nieces are a bit older now, but in terms of like when I was, you know, to to give a toy to, but they, you know, you could go and get a decent toy for like 15 bucks. Mm. You know, the only thing that um, blew the bank was Lego. Yeah. Lego hasn't come down, but like all the rest of it, it's like you just get something, you know, a pretty, you know, you know, decent toy for like 10, 15 bucks and they're happy with that. But yeah, but also my mum talks about it like, she says, like, we had, like, three toys, but they were, like, made of wood and had clearly been crafted by some guy in a factory, like, because she was like, you just didn't have anything. The mass-produced, like, what you yeah, get today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was like this, you know, little toy thing that has wheels and you can drag it along the ground or something. She's like, yeah, but, like, that took, like, a dude, like, five hours to make and, so do you think, and it lasted 50 years. Do you think in our generation then, and we're going to sound. I mean, this is a sort of swinging between AM radio, <laughs> and, but now <laughs> I'm going to swing it. Now, young people, now I'm going to swing it back. Transport, and now, I don't like it. Watch me thread the needle from uh, being a conservative middle-aged old fart to now just being like a leftist <laughs> agitator. But do you think in our lifetime then that we have sort of seen the sort of the grip of capitalism? What it's done is it's made us consumers. Like we. We grew up with minimal amounts of toys and, like, I can't remember when I was a kid, every time there was a visitor to the house, they didn't bring me a toy. But that's mm-hmm. part for the course with Iona. When someone comes to yeah, stay, yeah. they'll bring her a toy. Like, she's got yeah. uh, seven aunts and uncles. Every one of them who's come to visit has brought a toy. Plus, during the week, you know, you just grab something, she wants something. Because, like you said, it's 15 bucks and it's pretty good quality. Like, yesterday in town, she saw these goggles. And I'm like, well, you know, she needs some goggles. When I was yeah. a kid, I'm going oh, back no. to the AM dial. <laughs> when I yeah, was yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd have to wait for your birthday or Christmas. You couldn't just point to something and say, I want that, and it would be yours. Like you either yeah, have to yeah. do chores, I have to weed the garden. <laughs> I had to, back in my day, we all you used to, to live in a shoebox in the, the middle mine, of the freeway. You had to get the coal for the fire. <laughs> then you had to come into the house. Oh, and take your shoes off because you can't have shoes in the house. Um, no, no, I think it's that thing of like it is so disposable now. And also the thing of those toys, those $10 toys, they do break in three days. Like, I mean, I can't think of, apart from the Lego, which was like my nephew's fascination for probably a good three years, I reckon, like the rest of them. It's like, I mean, you give a toy on Christmas Day, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't say like I'm offended or horrified, but like when they were, the nephew and nieces were small, like you give them a gift, and then an hour later, like the you kind of go, like, that's never going to be touched again. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, I only, you know, I I all Anna wanted for her birthday last year was this scooter. You know, like she had, uh, she'd been seeing kids on scooters, all she wanted. And so Jem like scoured, you know, online and found the perfect scooter, you know, and it was sustainably made. It was a bit more expensive and stuff like that. Looks beautiful, like Art Deco style. She's yep. ridden it approximately zero times. Yeah, sure, <laughs> That was sure. her most requested present. And it's just so like, So is that okay. the kind of scooter like you kind of hand on your, like the skateboard with the handle kind of yeah, scooter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the type? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah, I just feel like things are so more disposable nowadays. And But that's in um, our lifetime, don't you reckon? Like that idea, I'm, and I'm just wondering if it's, it, it does have to do with things um, like labour getting cheaper, you know, sort of uh, expansion into kind of areas like India and stuff or China where you're getting bulk items made for, 
for like tiny amounts of money. And therefore yeah, sure. you've got stop, shops like Cotton On and those $2 stores they, and stuff. I think they're called sweatshop shops and we, <laughs> we try to ignore them. I mean, you know, the thing like, you know, we love our iPhones but also at the same time that's that thing of like if you if you walk, I think if everybody walked through an abattoir they'd be a vegetarian by the time they walked out. I think if you walked through a sweatshop um, you'd be like I'm not touching Apple technology ever again for the rest of my life but you kind of go. But also that thing of like, even now and then, like, you know, I mean, my phone runs out or something and I'm, you know, on a tram or whatever and I go, oh, no, I'm, I'm stuck with my thoughts. <laughs> oh, I hate this shit. <laughs> I can't be looking at my phone and kind of going through things. But, yeah, I mean, if you talk to people like even, even 15 years ago, even 15 years ago, like everyone's just looking at the, looking at the phone now. Like back in, I think I got my first iPhone in 08. And, you know, that was a revelation. Like probably before that I could listen to maybe music. I saw a photo online of um, some theme park in the States where a roller coaster had broken down, so the carriage just sort of just stuck. It wasn't a dangerous situation. It was just like on top of this roller coaster. And, you know, but it looked precarious. But the photo, every single person is just on their phones. It's like, oh, there's a, there's, if there's any kind of lull in life, if there's any kind of pause moment, we just get our phone out. Never mind the fact that you are stuck on top of a fucking roller coaster. Yeah, like, sure, it's sure. a wild moment. You should probably be present for it. It's like, no, no, let me just go on Twitter. And every parent I talk to talks about um, they kind of want their kids to kind of reduce their screen time. Mm. But then they also go, Do yeah, themselves. hey, kid, reduce your screen time. And then they go, Oh, I've got my phone in front of me right now, and I'm also looking at an iPad, and I'm looking at TV, and uh, yeah, I just yeah, do we want? Of course, the screen time is an issue and stuff, but the, the challenge there is you've got to provide like a more exciting option, and that's hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, thankfully she's at an age where you can just got like the stuff in the backyard that holds her interest. But I imagine when you get to like your teens. And you want to know a bit more about the world or, you know, stick your nose into different areas, but you're not quite old enough to actually explore those things for yourself. Then, like, that's why the phone is such – that's why I feel like teens get such a bad rap for all they're always on their phone. Yeah, because if we had that when we were kids, we'd be the same thing. It's the perfect portal to start looking at fashion and music and pornography, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) too. But it has, like, also, like, all of human knowledge on it. So it's like – Okay, I could just like be in my own head, like having Michael Chamberlain thoughts, or could I just explore the thoughts of everybody from the history of time? It's like, well, I'm going to take this little iPhone yeah. over my own head, aren't I? Yeah, but I mean, but when you have the option of exploring and it's the got thoughts, boobs. Of all, of all the greatest things of all time, you're listening to Conrad Thompson on something to wrestle with. <laughs> Well, that's a good point. We haven't talked. We, we haven't talked wrestling for a while. No, no. I was that's going. To, I, I was going to. Two Yeah, like a uh, like a swinger who was going to subtly suggest we kind of you know bring a third in. <laughs> uh, I was going to wait to the end of the podcast to see how you were if you were relaxed. But let's do it because um, I've been getting uh, back into the wrestling a bit. What do you think of this like the reinvention? It's kind of old news now, but I've only sort of caught up to to Roman Reigns's reinvention, the most unpopular, you know, modern wrestler. And now they've just found something that works because I've been getting right into the head of the table. I, I must say, like, I actually don't watch – I think I think I watched the Royal Rumble and I'm going to watch Mania kind of when I can, probably not live. But um, I don't watch the shows and such but kind of follow online in terms of, you know, clips and the like. Roman Reigns, yeah, he they were trying to make him the most – yeah, popular good guy and the crowd just went, no, we're not having that. And so they now made him like biggest – guy in the company but a bad guy yeah Yeah. um and it's that kind of thing like they probably could have done it with john cena like 15 years ago but at the same time he was so popular with children and he was selling so many um t-shirts and caps and the like they're like they've always kept him a kept him a good guy even though crowd was booing him but with roman they've kind of committed to it and he's now like been he's been like the number one guy for about a good three years now what they found is the character because when he sort of came in when he was part of um uh, um, not the authority, was it? The um, shield. Oh, yeah. The shield, yeah. The yeah. shield. Like he was the heavy and that was kind of the way they protected him in matches was he didn't – because he didn't have the in-ring skill or the on-mic skill, so they would just save him for a big spear at the moment, at, at the end of the – And but then pushing him as a baby face, he's terrible on the microphone. You've probably seen that clip of him and John Cena from about – Four or five yeah, like, years you know, ago, like, John Cena's you've just got to learn how to do a promo. Or something, yeah, yeah something and it's like that. yeah, yeah, it's humiliating. It's funny actually. Yeah. I've been thinking about Cena a bit because he's now back in the WWE, and he had this 
Like I, I'm really fascinated. I, I wish I, knew, I think I am more obsessed with documentaries on professional wrestling and behind yeah, yeah. the scenes than I'm about yeah, the yeah. actual wrestling itself. Cause it's just such a bizarre concept. Like I was talking to an, another friend about, you know, if you had a child that said to you, Hey mum and dad, I know what I want to do with my life. And yeah, then yeah. they said, I want to be a professional wrestler. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. so you're going to enter this form of entertainment, which is, um, you know, incredibly like dangerous and fraught, is not really taken seriously apart from its very niche crew. And there's one big game in town, but there's a lot of like much smaller games yeah, yeah. in You're town. You're literally running off to the circus in the hope that you get caught up to a bigger circus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at least, I mean. Says the actor and comedian. <laughs> But at least like with the circus, like I imagine if you're studying like gymnastics or something, that, that there's almost an applicable school here and maybe you can go teach or whatever. But with wrestling, it yeah. is so niche. And sort of what really is it? Because are they really a- athletes or, or, or actors? And so you're watching this John Cena comeback in the WWE. And so he uh, has a little um, – uh, does a promo with Austin Theory, who's like, you know, the the sort of young up-and-coming kind of heel. I think he's Intercontinental Champion or US Champion or whatever. And in the promo, Cena does the same thing he did to Roman Reigns five years ago where he's just like, oh, that shit's really lame. Like he loves to sort of not break the fourth wall, but he kind of – you think it's a shoot. Uh, shoot is a wrestling term for when something's <laughs> – <laughs> For real? How many people have tuned up by now? <laughs> <laughs> you said that last time as well. People like the wrestling chat. But it was like he, he was just deconstructing it so badly. And I'm like, is this – what do they discuss? Like do Austin Theory and John Cena say, hey, look, let, we're going to do this promo. And Cena says, hey, man, look, I'm going to – just got to go for it. I hope you're cool with that. And Austin Theory's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Or does he play games with him backstage where he doesn't fucking say anything and saves it so he gets a real reaction? Like I, I just want to know what, what it is. No, I reckon that I reckon that it, it's the the former by the fact. I reckon they there are times where they go, we got to we got to do the script, and there are people who are better going off the script and actually doing the script. But I think um, for some of it, it's a bit of banter. Like he, the Cena called out the Rock like a few years ago, like well, yeah, probably yeah. ten years ago now, because he had notes written on his hand. And yeah. He called that out, and they walked backstage, and it was like. Well, dude, you just you just fucking called out the rock, right? Yeah. But I remember. Do you remember? We'll get back to football, by the way. By the <laughs> fact that um, do you remember? Because we do the same thing. Because we do a live show with um Junk Time and Two Guys Live uh, One Cup every year after the grand final on the Sunday. And remember 2018, and we had Scott Dooley, friend of both shows, on the live show. He just watched his team Collingwood lose the grand final, like in the most heartbreaking way. Like they were five goals up. They were they were flying. Eagles gradually got them back and then the final goal was like a goal that if Dom Sheehan had 20 goes to that, probably would kick it twice and he kicked it right through the middle. It was possibly a free kick, possibly he played on. Like everything was a nightmare. And and before the show, like I remember, I remember saying to Dulles, like I was like, hey, man, like we got to do it. And he's like, yep, I get it, I get it. <laughs> and we – committed a hate crime on the guy for 19 <laughs> minutes who is our friend we yeah. made him go through quarter by quarter yeah. and he'd also on top of that he paid four grand to come out from new york to <laughs> to melbourne for the game for the experience and so we just so i think that's the kind of the wrestling thing it's like you go before the to them before the promo and go look hey man i gotta say some things and you go yep i gotta say something. i mean i say that to you guys before the grand final show like you know do your worst whatever you know make me out to be the the hoity-toity members guy and you know, the private school kid, even though you went to the same <laughs> I know. I don't know how I managed to skate on that <laughs> every year. Get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's funny. There's a great um, uh, in the WWE website, the WWE Network, one of their rivalry documentaries is all about the Cena rock thing. And I feel like there was genuine, like that, I think that's, I think with all the best wrestling, they just expand on what's actually there. Because I think there was genuine, uh, hate between them because John Cena is a weird one. Like he st- when he started off, he was so serious about wrestling and like a real kind of what's the word? Like you know, he 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 was a snob about it. Like he didn't like the fact that The Rock was off, you know, doing movies and stuff, which is ironic. Yeah, considering I think where- there was a quote like he kind of talked about, you know, I'm not going to leave the company, kind of high and dry, and you know, go off and make it. But now Cena's doing the same thing. Like, um, I mean, The Rock is you know arguably the biggest movie star in the country in the world, but um. I wouldn't be surprised in three years' time if it was John Cena. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny too because now the other rivalry that's going on is Seth Rollins is taking on um, uh, Logan Paul, and it's funny because Seth Ro- Seth I was going to call him Seth Rogan Seth Rollins uh, is doing basically what Gina, John Cena did to The Rock 10 years ago, which is like, hey, you're just a fly-by-nighter. You're not the real deal. Like, I love wrestling. The wrestling is a, is a specific mindset. It's a specific community, and you're just this interloper. But then I'm like, that sounds real as well. Like, I don't think that's – I mean, I'm sure that the, the, the writers – I've just read The Rock's uh, – what's his name? The guy who was The Rock's writer for uh, – Brian Gewerbs. Yeah, that's right? right. Yeah. And – like I was actually surprised by just how much writing there is in in wrestling. Like they literally script from go to woe. Obviously, the matches and stuff are they either call on the fly. It's just the outcomes decided. But the actual all the interstitials are all completely scripted. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think about. I mean, in well, probably from WrestleMania, they're thinking about the next one, like a little bit bit by bit. I mean. I was about to say famously. I don't know how how much the viewers think of this as famously, but like they did have The Rock and Cena at one WrestleMania, and then the next night announced a rematch a year later. Yeah, yeah. Which so is, then you have to build up to that. So, but what do you? So, because go back to the idea of like if you have a kid who decides they want to be a wrestler, like if just uh-huh. say like okay, no, 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 turn on you because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a parent. Iona, she's fifteen. Yeah. And she comes up to you, and, and you're watching the WWE Network, and yeah. she's like, and you go, and you're, you're shocked. Somehow she got into this, <laughs> and she says, "Daddy, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a hardcore barbed wire." Oh my wire, god, that's the fucking table worst one. That's the shit I can't watch. Like I watch Dark Side of the Ring, and there's a couple of episodes, like the New Jack episode, where it's just like they're breaking like glass in each other's faces, the pizza cutter. I don't get like that's the kind of wrestling which I'm just sort of like, who's this for? Where it's violent but it's it's still like predetermined or choreographed where they'll like – it's, it's weird because it's like this level of violence which is like there is bloodshed and dudes actually getting hurt but it's just short of serious injury. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah. but so the people going, it's like, well, I like violence, but not too much violence. Like, I don't understand like what the mindset is for people who like hardcore matches. Yeah. So, okay, we'll go back again. Like, Iona, she comes up to you, says, "Daddy, I'm 15 now. I've been, you know, I've I'm, I've started I'm a backyard wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I started a backyard yeah. wrestling league with yeah. the other kids in the neighbourhood. And um, you know, it's been my sushi diet that's kind of got me to this point. <laughs> I'm so healthy, and I want to go because I mean, you can't do it in Australia. Like, you can't earn a living in Australia. No, but I think um, there's definitely more of a feeder system now. Like, there's enough Australians competing internationally. You know, I think if she really wanted to do it, there is a pathway, which is I'd send her. Well, I wouldn't send her, but she would probably want to go to Melbourne and start at like what is it called, Intercity Melbourne Wrestling, whatever it's called. I'm not sure. Whatever yeah. the big. I, Mel- I went. I- yeah. I went to one Melbourne with City mate. Wrestling, I think it's called. I went to one with a mate last year, I think it was, at the Petersham Town Hall in Sydney, and that was hilarious. And he got his front seats, and uh, the commissioner was walking around the ring, like kind of the kind of the poncy, kind of like, you know, I'm better than everyone, commissioner. And whenever the, the, the guy would cheat, like we'd go to the commissioner, we'd be like, commissioner, he's cheating, he's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually really, really fun, really, really fun. Did I tell you about the one I went to where – um, it was a heel character and his uh, gimmick was that he was a, a, a bishop or a priest or some kind of Catholic, you know, a bishop or a priest and his valet was an altar boy. Oh, God. <laughs> and like they now, just- Was it an, an adult or was it like a, actually a kid? No, an adult, but like, like, yeah, like a, a, boy, a boyish yeah. looking adult, like a Spike yeah, Dudley sure. type. But yeah. then every time, you know, the valet would bend over to like, you know, get him through the ropes or whatever, he would sort of just pause behind him and look at the crowd and everyone would be like, Dude. but i think i love that about wrestling like i think it's good like that's a that's comedy and wrestling mixed together i mean it was mainly there was a more emphasis on the comedy like even the main event was a dude who was like a 1920 strong man with like a leopard skin you know sort of single strap uh uh, outfit on um so if i only decided you wanted to be a wrestler like I think that, yeah, like I would support it in the same way that like shit, my mum didn't stop me from doing my stupid pursuit. But I think there would be, and I wanted to ask you, if it was like a friend of yours or whatever, at what point, because it takes on average a lot of these wrestlers like 13, 14, 15 years before they get mm. like their big break. A lot of them are in mm. their kind of mid-30s and they start when they're 18 or 19. Like at what point 
of seeing your friend like, you know, covered in bruises, you know, you find out that they got pushed off a ladder into two tables covered in barbed wire for yeah. like, you know, hit 50, by a car 50, or 50 yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at what point do you sort of say to them, hey, man, like do you still really love this? Like it's not that dissimilar to kind of, I mean, how long like did you do stand-up before before you kind of felt secure or getting like a? No, I actually think there actually is a correlation by the fact it is showbiz and also kind of uh, you kind of pay your dues, I suppose. Mm. Um, and so I don't think it's actually far. It happened quite quickly from- for you. No one would have dissuaded you. Like you, you were, you guys, were, you and Charlie, when you started that comedy room, yeah, I got lucky long. by the fact I kind of got a job, kind of you know, a decent kind of paying job within about a year and a half, two Fucking years. Hell, that's insane. Um, yeah. yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, um, and so by the end of that, I was kind of like, oh, I suppose I'm doing comedy now. But no, you, but you're right. Like it, it's that thing of acting, comedy, pay your dues. Like you know, doing you know, small shows, whatever, to five people, and then, um, and then eventually, you know, comedians doing shows to you know. Yeah, well, if, if you, you well, let, let, stadium, let's you know? use comedy as the uh, analogy then. So if you had a mate who got into stand-up comedy, just say like a young comic came to you, he said, hey, I've been doing this for six months. Uh, I just, you know, would love to kind of uh, check in with you from time to time and just, you know, see just as a mentor. How long, is there a timeline that you would give that kid to have not got his first professional job like you had? Like if he's been doing it for five years, would you say, hey, man, I mean, I know you're never probably going to tell someone to give up on their dream, but like in your head, would you say like, geez, five years, he hasn't really, he hasn't booked a major tour or? No, no, it's a different kind of beast nowadays though as well by the fact that it's, there's way more people who are doing um, stand-up back to compared to like when I started and this is like a long time ago. Uh, and then also there are other mediums that you can kind of get eyes on your stuff and you know i'm a man of a certain age therefore um you know you're not on tiktok, TikTok. <laughs> yeah i'm not on tiktok i mean i i remember my nieces got onto it and um and i never signed up for it or anything but i kind of was kind of looking through tiktok just seeing what it was and um and i said to a friend i was like it just seems like it's like a whole bunch of attractive women in bikinis <laughs> dancing and they were like yeah dude that's your algorithm <laughs> and i was like oh yeah so yeah. but that you know youtube whatever like you know there are people who kind of you know have well, nowadays you know will sell out theaters who haven't actually been on a stage before but have a youtube following you know which is you know all, all good and you know but there are Podca- so many different ways podcasting too like yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. every every day i seem to th- just like find out about some Australian podcast I've never heard of. Like it's generally like a wellness one or a relationships one. It's like, oh, these two girls are doing the opera house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But I remember um, it might have been was it you and Will who did like an LA podcast. Yeah, LA podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it was Will who was saying that um, there were a lot of kind of single tickets sold by the fact that like a podcast, like you're kind of curating your own taste. Therefore, it's not like a communal thing where it's like, hey, we're all going to watch this together or whatever. Uh, it's like, you know, I've this is the thing I like and therefore I want to buy a ticket to that. And so it's like, yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the comparison of when I started to nowadays is like completely different by the fact that the social media thing and, you know, how you can become a huge thing on YouTube and, you know, have 10 million followers as a as a comedy thing or as a funny thing but having not actually set foot on stage but that's not to say that's not a worthy thing you know yeah but i i guess um well then you've maybe even got more metrics to judge it on so if this dude uh has been doing it for five years and in that time you know they their youtube channel hasn't grown their podcast is not really grown like do you ever sort of do you have a thought of like ah well you know maybe this guy is not going to make it Five years, two, not, not, or. I don't, why am I being so mean to this fictional oh, no, guy that you're creating? Because <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering, because did then it like apply it to the, to the rest of also, what's make it? What's make it also as well? Yeah. Like, well, what's like, make it? I guess like can quit their day job, can support yeah, themselves yeah. financially. Um, yeah. But make it, make it is like a, is like a, you, know, you look at people and you go, oh, they've made it. And then they you talk to them and they're thinking, I haven't made it. It's, pro- it's like the scene in parenthood. In, uh, Jason Robards. You never spiked the ball, the ball Charlie. You never spiked the ball. <laughs> you know, it's more like, a, you know, Russ Lyon back at St Kilda, he talks, I was feeling a bit um, uh, uh, pessimistic about the year 
And then um, I've been watching these Ross interviews. And for those of you who listen who don't really follow football or listen to our football adjacent podcast, you guys won't cup. Oh, Michael's fantastic, uh, much funnier AFL podcast, Junk Time. <laughs> Junk Time uh, Ross Lyon as a personality, like I was saying on our show a couple of weeks ago, because he hasn't been at the Saints for a while. I loved Ross when he went into the media and just found him like so entertaining and quirky and weird. And now he's back as the coach and I'm listening to him a lot more. Out of context, like if you had no idea who this guy was, if someone just played you the audio of one of his press conferences or even just some sound bites, you're like, has this dude got dementia? Like what's going on? Like he sort of rambles and and chuckles to himself, <laughs> like tells these little roundabout stories. But then there's these like little nuggets of wisdom like woven in. Like and, and I'm sort of starting to think, I know a lot of people have this idea that he pretends to be a bit goofier than he is. Like that's kind of his buffer. And I'm starting to think that must be the case because, like, he's obviously clearly very bright and has these very, you know, insightful uh, ideas and things like that. But then there's this layer of, like, I think you said it once. Like, he's like a drunk uncle. Like, he's just kind of, like, you know, likable and pleasant well, enough I'm, to talk I'm, to. I'm wondering, like, if you found a difference by the fact that now that he had done the media for a few years, maybe he kind of knows the tricks of it a bit more. And so when he is doing a press conference and they ask the question, he's like, oh, now I know why you're asking that because your editor told you to ask that question or whatever. Like, And so he kind of finds it a bit more – he maybe understands the game a bit more. He's, gr- um, You know what he's great at? And he turns the question back on the journalist. Yeah, yeah, sure, and sure. Does Which this- I actually think should happen a lot more. Like, but, by the but fact, does, but does, some people are saying, it's yeah. like, who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> but he also – like, but he distracts by kind of breaking down the semantics of the question or um, he deflects with a joke – um, you know, he pleads ignorance to whatever the thing is, but he, you often like realize at the end of like a five minute, 10 minute press conference, he hasn't actually answered anything. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's just got these things that are on his mind, these musings that he, that he rambles out. But one the reason I bring that up is one of the things he said, he did a long ranging interview with Burple, Damien Barrett, you know, look at your injury list. You're not going to have your best, you know, 22 available till halfway through the, the year. And Ross has gone, yeah, you know, that's that, that's probable, but uh, I just want to think about what's possible. <laughs> and my mate Nick is a big Saints fan. Every time I've like sent him something, oh, this sucks, or another injury, he's like, hey, mate, believe in the possible, not the probable. <laughs> so I well, guess I that's it's... what you got to do with, like, you know, your mate who, or your daughter who wants to get into wrestling. It's like, well, it's probable you won't make it. It's probable you'll probably have, like, you know, there's a listener to Tofop who was a professional wrestler because we talk about it a bit and he often pipes up and he said like the few years he did it was he's got a lifetime of neck injuries, back injury. Yeah, like it's, sure, it was sure. not was not worth it. He's in yeah constant sure, pain. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. Like, I mean, it's all fine for actors and comedians to kind of be like, you know, similar thing, but also like these are, you know, stunt people who are, you know, putting – uh, uh, How do you get insurance for it? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, who's insuring a tables like oh, a hardcore match with fucking barbed yeah, wire? Sure. And- it's like, um, uh, okay, they just fill out the form. Um, <laughs> so they're going to get a pizza cutter and they're going to drag it across the forehead. All right. So let me okay. tell you, the ropes of the ring are electrified. Is mm-hmm. that? <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Okay. And so, um, just on the bottom of the form, there, are you ever going to be buried alive? <laughs> yeah. So you are going to be thrown from the top of a fourteen-foot steel cage <laughs> through a Spanish announce table. Spanish announce table. That's right. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> Landing on a couple of monitors, and uh, and I think the, then the, the commentator will say. Uh, um, uh, good God, he's dead. <laughs> uh, we've mentioned, Ross Lyon, your new show, The Completely Incomplete History of Australian Rules. Uh, what's this show about? It actually is about the uh, history of Australian rules. So uh, it begins, I've got, I, I did the sums, I've got about an hour to sum up 165 years. But I get to the 50s and then it's, Smooth sailing all the way. But, yeah, no, it's like actually just literally about the history of Australian rules by the fact I've actually been quite fascinated by it. And so I've read a lot of books. I want to make it very clear. I'm a comedian. I'm not a historian. Right. But I've read a lot of books. Yeah. And, um, Have you got uh, some, like, so- dudes gunning for you, like some Russell Holmesby types who are just like back off out of our turf, funny man? <laughs> like, well, that's we're the thing. The legit like, I mean, it's actually – Ken like, Pace kind of is like fucking a- circling the block. I mean, <laughs> the- These books are all kind of like, you know, funny as anecdotes for for 155 footy jokes. 
I mean, the general historians have kind of, you know, delved deep into the stuff. And so I think I'm pretty good with my fact-checking, but also I do want to stress on committee, not a historian. And I'm actually trying to think now, I think I have one St Kilda joke. I think I have one St Kilda joke. But it's stories. Like, I mean, things I find quite fascinating is that um, Tom Wills, who created a game, is basically like Australia's version of Forrest Gump. Like, he shows up in, like, four or five kind of remarkable situations. What sparked an interest in the history of Aussie rules? I actually think it comes from my dad, actually. My dad is, like, um, kind of – he's uh, prone to tell anecdotes that take a while <laughs> and include every detail. But he <laughs> – but he's, like, you know, he's, like, anyway, I went to the shop. It was in 1957. Uh, it was Tuesday, and um, it, was, it was about 15 degrees. And uh, anyway, I go on the tram and it's like, dude, like, just tell me about the time you met the Prime Minister, okay? <laughs> Let's get to the point. But, yeah, my, my dad was always, like, kind of talking about the history of the game. In fact, I remember one night they used to have the highlights on a Saturday night about, um, you know, the match of the game kind of thing. And Peter Landy, like, got a figure wrong, like, said, you know, so-and-so is now the second that played the most games, the second most games of all time. And my dad immediately picked up the phone to call Channel 7 <laughs> and say, no, it's not true. <laughs> Oh my god! It's the third, the third highest played games. So I think, but it's always been an interest. So it's right. been actually a lot of fun actually to delve into these um these tales. And I um I'm actually practically jogging on the spot to tell the stories because there's so much stuff. Like in World War Two, like troops would shout up their Kazali as like a rallying cry. <laughs> um, like Princess Park was meant to be the the main stadium for the Melbourne Olympics, the the Premiership Cup only came in 1959 because players found it very difficult to drink out of a flag that they were given. <laughs> Was that um, seriously yeah, why no. there's a cup? <laughs> no, there's a cup. There is generally a cup. But, and I don't want to burn it, but, like, you know, there, there's a cup by the fact that you were given a flag. Like, that was you, right. you won the flag. Like, you were given a flag. And then eventually the president of the VFL went to see the FA Cup final and was like, oh, they got handed a cup. That's cool. Let's, let's hand out a cup. Um, even stuff I left out, like I've cut put on the cut room floor, like um, Jack Dyer when he told his dad that he was going to, um, Captain Blood, yeah, when he was going to go and train at Richmond, he wrote that his dad didn't didn't even look up from his dinner and just went, don't do that, they'll kill you. Uh, The team university that played for like seven years, like you could only play for that team if you had a finish year 12 or had a university degree. And also you, dirty dogs, okay. St Kilda. Yeah, the yeah. VFA, right? Mm-hmm. So the VFA was formed in the 1870s and then about 20 years later they formed the VFL and that was purely about money. It was like all the rich clubs wanted to get more money. And so you're a dirty, money-hungry slime pig because you want the, the fucking cash. I don't understand. About- how, how does how, how is uh, starting up the VFL starting up getting more money? So the, the VFA started and yeah. then they um, – uh, they there was a very big disparity between the rich clubs and the poor clubs. And so the VFA said, we're going to get all of the ticket sales so you don't keep your home ticket sales. We're going to get all the ticket sales, put it in a pool and divide it equally. And so then the eight clubs that started the VFL went, fuck poor people, and they went and formed their own league um, so they could keep their own money. Yeah. But even like um, uh, the original first game, and I've cut this one out as well for time, but... um. So the first game in 1858 in August, I think people are tuning out now as well. But (laughs) (laughs) if the wrestling didn't get them, this will get them. So the first game, regarded as the first game, was Melbourne Grammar versus Scotch College. So they had day one, right? It was one goal each. The first of two goals won. But the ground was 800 metres long, so it's very hard to kick a goal on 800 metres. 800 metres long? Yeah, it was 800 metres. 800 metres in the car park of the MCG, right? Yeah. What kind uh, of it? That's insane. That, like, even before, like, the advent of, like, cameras where you could, like, how is a regular person meant to see 800 metres down to the other end of the field? Well, it actually got a crowd. actually got a bit of a crowd. Like, nothing major, but, like, a bit of a crowd. Like, and they showed up, and it was, like, Melbourne Grammar Scotch, and um, and, and Melbourne Grammar got an early goal and Scotch replied so we had a shootout and then at the end of the day it was first to two goals. How many players in an 800 metre ground? 40. There were 40 on each. Yeah. Yeah. It would have looked like that scene in Braveheart where they just like run into each other. Well it actually was by the fact there were actually weren't rules as such like it was a bit of a scrum a bit of a scrimmage like kind of more rugby than anything Um, but the idea just kind of kicked the ball through the goals but they were 800 metres apart so uh, (laughs) like the straight of Flemington really. Um, 
And then um, day two was organised because it was one goal each and Melbourne Grammar didn't show up. And um, they wrote in the Argus newspaper, you know, just factually, like Melbourne Grammar didn't show up for day two. And then like the very next day, like the headmaster of Melbourne Grammar wrote a letter going, do you, we didn't know about the contest that was to be applied. Do you, do you suggest we are showing the white feather? And it's like, come next Saturday and you will show Melbourne Grammar's pluck. Um, <laughs> this disrespect shall not stand. But it, but it was. It was a, a very factual kind of little paragraph, just like Melbourne Grammar didn't show. And this bloke wrote into writing, just going, we are the mighty fighting Melbourne Grammar. Mm, wow. <laughs> Do not know us. Um, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm I, – uh, It's yeah, just amazing, literally. though. Like, just think about the idea of – I mean, because sports in different sports were, had existed and were played, and just like this group of people just decided, we're just gonna create a new game, <laughs> like create a new sport, and people came and watched. Like it's just mind blowing to think that you couldn't, could you even do that today? Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, someone brought this up recently, but like the only kind of newish one I think, I mean, I, UFC obviously is kind of like you know. Um, taken over the world in, in a regard, and that's probably what fifteen mm. years old. Yeah, I guess. So. Um, I see a few things online about the um the slapping. Oh my god, that's that's fucked. Up. What is brutal. going on there? Yeah, that's brutal. But um, but that's even also back in the Dana day, like, White, right? That's the same guys as your does the UFC. Well, he might have a taste. I'm not sure. But even um, I mean, Tom Wills invented the game because he wanted to have a game to keep foot, uh, cricketers fit over winter. But then I didn't know this as well, but, like, um, basketball was invented from my knowledge to keep baseballers fit over ah, the winter. Right. Um, so, so basically PE, <laughs> which became well, yeah. a national competition. Yeah, it's kind of like when the ground gets mushy, we need another game. But, I mean, I always said, like, you know, if Tom was just invented indoor cricket, then it'd be fine. Like, we wouldn't have Australian rules at all. Um, but, yeah, no, there's, um, there's some really fascinating stuff out there. Have you uh, done this show yet? Have you done trials? That might be another cutting point by the fact that I'm going to say these words out loud on stage for the first time at the first show. <laughs> that's not a cut point. We're leaving that in. That's good. I reckon that's good sizzle to get to your first show. It's like the Chris uh, Rock Netflix special. It's like, oh, holy shit. No, it's that kind of thing. Like, actually, I kind of have gone by the, the guys who kind of trust my instincts and also by the fact that it's very difficult to show up to a comedy night and just be like, hey, guys, let me talk about the 1930 grand final for a moment. Like, uh, yeah. okay, we're all on board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, no, I've, got, I've got some stuff about the 1938 grand final, Carlton Collingwood. I'm looking at your poster, though. Like, it, it's very clearly a comedy show about Australian rules football. I think anyone in there who, within the first two minutes, doesn't have the patience to listen to about a story about the history of the game is probably at the wrong bloody show. I think it's pretty clear, like, what you're getting into, yeah. Like, I'm delving deep into that. But they're, they're actually, they're, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying not to burn too much, but, like, they're actually there's some stuff I'm, like, actually literally jogging on the spot trying to um, want to what, tell You said the that's the second time you've used that phrase, jogging on the spot. What is that Because they're cool stories. I'm just like, oh, I just want excited. to get out there. I just want to, I just want to say it. I just oh. want to say it. I just like, dude, this happened, and then this happened, and right. oh, my fuck, but this fucking happened. And then and this guy, like, even, um, and I, I mean, Again, there's another thing I cut for time, but like um, um, Tom Wills, who invented the game, for a short time he was engaged to the grandmother of the first Brownlow medalist. Right. And I'm like, so I don't really saying, know what to do with that. So, so you're I'm saying not saying like. So you're so saying it was a scam. <laughs> like it well, was a no. scam. It was he's a Nepo baby. The first Brownlow medalist winner was a Nepo baby. Edward yeah, Cardi Greaves in um, 1926 won the Brownlow fair and square. Although I don't know, I don't know what the speculation about the the. 2022 with the gambling but um but yeah just weird things i know how biology works but like you kind of go like wow could the creator of the game have been the grandfather of the first brownlow medalist uh but yes no it uh it's a show where i've got to kind of trust my instincts and um and just hope that i work out all right oh that's it's funny i i I, you know as someone who does a uh afl themed comedy show it feels like I had Broden Kelly on last week because he's got a brand new podcast, The Footy. And then I see like Josh Garlop's work online. You know, Josh, who uh, uh, you would you'd know Josh. He's a he's a well, he's a TikTok comedian. He does a lot of AFL themed comedy on on social media. He's got a new podcast with his guys. And at first, I was like, because you know there was junk time and maybe two guys one cup and you know, but like the front bar that was really the sort of most prominent kind of AFL comedy 
shows and now these youngsters are coming along and I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> they're coming for us. Like I said, like Broden actually sent me a text over summer saying, hey, man, I'm thinking of doing a an AFL comedy podcast. What do you reckon? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then as soon as the phone rang up, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what did I just do? I took a guy from one of the most popular comedy troops in Australia and basically said, yeah, come take some food off my plate. <laughs> come take come take new shoes from my baby. But there's a lot of food to go around. Like, I mean, well, I that's find what I was going to say is I think yeah. that it's, it, it's, it's ripe for like, – I think audiences never get sick of it. I used to love Before the Game, which you wrote for, right? Did one year, I think, in 07, yeah, just to replace Rosie for a year because he couldn't do it, yeah. They sort of had their serious journalists, like, you know, your kind of Sam Lanes and um, Andy Mars and stuff. But then, you know, the stuff I liked was more the kind of like just the the comedians and the banter and stuff like that. And I was surprised there wasn't more of it because it always tended to be more that footy show style entertainment. But yeah, I think yeah. Well, one of the reasons I put up to Rosie to do Junk Time was by the fact that I was looking around for like a footy podcast and they were all kind of analytical, you know what I mean? Um, it can, I could maybe find like two or three that weren't kind of super coachy kind of stuff, which, you know, it's not my world. Um, so I just hit up Rosie and was like, you know, do you want to do a, a you, know, you know, kind of hopefully funny one? Um, and I actually realised, I, th- I think this Sunday or so, we be our 350th episode. It's like oh, it's wow. our 10th year. That's it's amazing. Like, yeah, so I'm going to get in my private jet. I'm going to get, <laughs> take go all to, that filthy go to Jeffrey Epstein Island, which I bought a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be I would be surprised. Like I think with the three years of COVID, or you know, two and a half years of COVID, the appetite for footy now is bigger than ever. Like even you know, you and I who barrack for teams that are probably not going to do that well this year. My well, intru- you take that back, sir. <laughs> uh, Mighty but- Fine Hawks will be at least. Second from the bottom this year. Did you see there was that article written by a guy, I think it was in The Age or the Sydney Morning Herald, about, um, you know, my son's eight years old and he's over, like, his last. Dude, yeah. And it's yeah, like, what I do I do? That, yeah. It's like every Saint supporter was like, oh, boo, <laughs> fucking who? Oh, like every- no. Just wait <laughs> but- another three years and you'll reach your on average premiership. I mean, I only kind of saw like screenshots. I'm not sure it was like it was like a serious article or something, but like, but I'm, I'm, I imagine if it was written this seriously, like people are fair enough to tee off on it. But also like the idea of, um, you know, I look back um, when you know, I think when we finished the three peat, we we did a three peat, but I think I did the sums. It was something like Hawthorne had won a premiership like every three point five years yeah, of my life. I've quoted that like, to other people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, but also like to put that to paper. It's like enjoy the memories, mate. Like it's fine. It'll be fine. We were right. Yeah, it's okay. just. I mean, it was just. It was very rich. Iona's actually just started to show a bit of interest in. Well, she she shows interest in my interest in football, like. Whenever she sees me like looking at football on my phone or on the TV or whatever, she's always like, "Oh, it's that thing that you love. It's football." And I'm like, "Yes, yes, I, I really do." I remember you were talking about back when she was born, like kind of, and you were in Sydney then, like you know, kind of going maybe pushing her towards the Giants or something. Well, like, just letting her you, pick. I mean, I, to be yeah. honest, like I don't think, at least at this age, her interest is not in sport. She doesn't really. She's not. She's not really into. Playing sport yeah. sport games, but she'll pick up a she'll pick up a steel chair and <laughs> look at you funny and be like, "That's right." Um, it's funny though because my brother has a couple of kids who what they're what two and a half and one and a bit, and um, the one and a bit one, um, I, my brother's taking more photos of his kids in Hawthorne gear than not in Hawthorne gear, <laughs> and in so much that like all the time, and uh, his youngest son, um, his Hawthorne jumper was on the line, you know, just drying. And and he was like, I mean, I didn't like the tantrum, but Dom like chucked a tantrum, pointing at the jumper, and was only happy when my brother took the jumper off and put it on him. And he was like, I think I'm, I think the brainwashing is working <laughs> pretty well. Yeah, I I mean, I have had that discussion with because Jem's like, you can't make her barrack for the Saints. Like I've seen, you know, twenty years have been with you. I've seen what it's done to you. You can't do it. And I said, no, that's fine. Like, I, I will more than happy – you know, the Suns are the closest team up here. Um, I don't think they're going to bring anyone any joy <laughs> anytime. So I was considering buying a Suns membership because I'm like, oh, well, I can get to a few games and, you know, like I, it'll just give me an excuse to sort of like watch more footy live. But after that round one, I'm like, ugh, I don't need more of the I don't need twice. I don't need loserdom and stereo. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck that shit. Um, but, yeah, I'm happy for Iona to choose it. I just don't think she will. I think her interest is like – so on 
because I'm parenting solo, on Sunday was when the Saints game was being played. And so I made sure we went out all day and did lots of fun stuff so that when I came home, she'd be kind of exhausted and we could just sit on the couch. She could, you know, get her iPad and watch Paw Patrol or whatever and I could watch the football. But she was into me being into the football. Like after after every goal, she wanted to high five. She kept cheering, you know, when I would cheer. Like it was all mimicry. I don't think she... I don't think she did turn to me on point and go, geez, Ryan Burns is having a great game. 27 possessions, 10 contested. That's good for him, right? Yeah. So was she like, um, you know, when you were dropping C-bombs about the umpire, was she like, yeah, he is, he is. <laughs> you maggot. Uh, <laughs> so I think as long as, I think that I think that will wane. I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like my sister's. Out of six sisters, I'd say three are genuinely into football where they'll watch games and stuff. But I don't think that Iona – because her mum's not into it and she idolises her mum. Like if, if – uh, Gemma would be into it if the Saints were good, but Gemma doesn't like losers. I don't know why <laughs> she's married to me. But she liked it when the Saints were winning games and, you know, we're going to them and stuff like that. I don't think she likes th- this new version of the Saints. So does Gem take any interest in like – um? kind of Scottish football no, like, you know. does like not the- like football at all. She used to work at a pub because in Scotland, it's obviously all about Celtics versus Rangers. Like that's the big rivalry. And she said like when she worked at a pub and after a game, it was just mayhem, just so violent. And so when she came to Australia, her she didn't know anything about Aussie rules, obviously. And so her association is football equals violence. Yeah. So when sure, I said sure. that I'm a big footy fan, she's like, no, I'm not going to date a guy who's in football. And they said, no, trust me, our club sucks. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. I actually had to go into a, a pub last Friday after work to um, just hand in at the venue where I'm playing um, the Coopers Inn um, in Melbourne. I had to try booking. And also on top of that, actually, Chuck, I put in a, a, a um, discount for FOFOP listeners. So if you had to try booking, head to Michael Chamberlain, type in Michael Chamberlain, and when you get to book now, um, type in FOFOP, uh, uh, small letters, uh, in the bit that says promotion code, just type FOFOP, small letters. Uh, and you can get 20% off. That's great. Uh, for tickets. We'll put um, a link but, um, in the episode description so you can just click on that and use the code of FOFOP to get discount tickets. We should say that uh, the shows are, so it's April 1st, 8th, 15th, and the 22nd. What venue? Yeah. It's called the Cooper's Inn. So okay. it's a room there. Cooper's Inn actually really cool kind of little comedy, ves- uh, comedy festival venue during, uh, I should say, comedy festival, comedy venue during the year. And then they have like three or four rooms during the comedy festival itself. But um, they do a sick job there. Um, but yeah, you can find out. Sick. Um, <laughs> you just that... lingo the kids. I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think. There's uh, what I've learned is that a change of government in Nauru brought down the Fitzroy <laughs> Football Club. Um, the original Richmond song is a delightful ditty about a young man and woman going on a date in a rowboat that Tom Mills is Forrest Gump. And that in Libya during World War II, the sign to attack was not a pistol or a whistle. Someone kicked a football out into no man's land. And that was the sign to go. And presumably there was a bloke up the back going, ah, uh, that was my fucking football. <laughs> but then also all of the, there was a league, there were leagues. There were leagues in Germany prison and war camps. There were leagues at Changi, like, the Changi Brownlow. Like, it's a, there's nut stuff out there. Like, that, nuts. That is amazing. Well, for more nuggets like that, go see Michael Chamberlain in the completely incomplete history of Australian rules on the 1st, 8th, and 15th of April at Comedy at the Cooper's Inn. Uh, comedy, 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 comedy. Comedy, <laughs> I just, comedy, man. I just malfunctioned at the end there. Uh, Chamberlain, <laughs> thanks so much for coming back on this show. Sweet, dude. Have fun. Listener.